Hey friends, it's your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy GM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday RPG. In this case, I am running the hardcover campaign adventure Scarlet Citadel by Kobold Press. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. Patrons get access to an exclusive Discord server, the monthly Q&A, a whole bunch of exclusive material, the City of Arches sourcebook, tons of different stuff, and they help me put on shows like this to the patrons of Sly Flourish, thank you so much for your support. If you want to become a patron of Sly Flourish, there are now two tiers, the veteran tier and the hero tier. You can find out more at the Patreon site down in the show notes below. Patrons, thank you so much for your support. So last time, I, our characters are in chapter three, and it's a big chapter. Level three, the Dwarven Barracks, which is really two different locations. You have the Trollkin area, uh, where the where the where the where the trolls are hanging out, and then you have the clacking caverns, and the clacking caverns is where our group is now. I have a little Albert rodeo map to kind of show the clacking caverns and what's been going on there, and I added a quest to this. I said that I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted to, because there's there's ways to go down one level pretty early in this chapter. And I didn't want them to miss the clacking caverns. I figure like, you know, you paid money for an adventure. You want them to at least have the opportunity and a drive and motivation to go to different places. And there's some neat stuff here. I like these these weird pools. They finally figured those things out and use those. And so, you know, this is a level I didn't want them to skip. So I gave them a quest. And the quest was from the Trollkin Brynjar, the, the, the Trollkin leader of the Trollkin that are in the other half, in the Dwarven Barracks section. And he said, there's this crown, there's this crown or helm or something, and it's been whispering to me, and I want it. I want you to go into that other side and you get it. You get it and you bring it back to me, and we'll give you full free access, protected access to level three of, of the dungeon. You can get in and out. You can, you can do all this stuff. It'll be fine. You can even rest here. Can you imagine being able to have a safe place to rest? Madness. So they said, yeah, we'll do that. And they've been doing it. And then we had a couple, I think we had a couple sessions where we didn't have enough people to play, enough people to play. So we, we were a couple weeks off, but now we've been making real progress. The players are back. I think I've got all six today. So that's, that's going to be fun. So the characters started off in this tomb down here where they found a bunch of like Joker, Joker trickster, you know, things from your local hobby shop because it was a tomb of Loki and Loki's like the trickster god. And so we had lots of trickster stuff. They were exploring the area. They went down here to this chamber and found a dead Trollkin hero who had been battling a bunch of, you know, clacker beetles and he ripped his amulet off. He had one last necklace of fireball fireballs, ripped it off his neck and blew himself up and killed all the clacker beetles, but killed himself in the process. But his armor was still around because he protected his armor somehow. I don't remember. They then went into this tomb, the Warlock White, the tomb of the Warlock White, and they opened up the three tombs, the three sarcophagi, and one of them was in there, and he, like, grabbed their hand, and start, they started blasting him, and he started blasting back, and after he took a bunch of damage, he said, okay, stop, gee, stop, all right, gods, you open up my coffin, what do you expect? And he turned into the conversation instead. He sort of surrendered halfway through. He's like, I just want to... I just want to, you know, I, did, I got very surprised by the fact that you tore up in my coffin. And he explained that there, he explained a bunch of secrets to them. And some of the secrets that he explained are that like the tomb is a, that, that it's the, the, the twisting of the, the twisting of the ley lines through the manipulation of the weird weaver has caused a lot of undead to reanimate, right? A lot of animated undead are, are here, including him. And he kind of doesn't want to be there. So he said, take my head 
and take my head and bring it with you. And when the river is clear, I want you to place my head into the river and, and that will that will take me away and I'll be I'll be happier. And in the meantime, I will give you this rod. And he handed them a, a bone, I think a bone rod of rod of the pack keeper. So our warlock, our warlock has a, a nice rod of the pack keeper, which is a great, a very powerful magic item for, for warlocks. Really, really fun. You want to make a warlock happy, give him a rod of the pack keeper. And then they broke his head off. And as soon as they did, his eyes go dim and his hair goes limp. And they're like, oh, no, we broke him. And he's like, ah, just kidding. I'm still here. And then like, oh, OK. And they stick him in a sack. And then they're like, you know, this is the second time we carried a skeletal head around in our bags in two campaigns. We played two campaigns in a row where we have a skeletal head that we're carrying around in a bag. And I'm like, yeah, it's a nice, you know, it's a nice trope. They are then exploring more of the area. And I think they just battled stuff they also one of the fun things they did is they they were fighting i don't remember what they were i can never remember what they're fighting they're fighting something was it clacker beetles i think it might have been clacker beetles and they whipped out the wand of wonder that 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 dorn had used and last time dorn had used it he fired it at a tumor troll oh that was a big octopus big octopus came out of this pool and they said we're gonna fireball that octopus and so Garble takes the Wand of Wonder and he fires it into the pool, which is weird because it's a whole different dimension on that other side. And I, I rolled on the Wild Magic. I rolled on the, the, the Wand of Wonder table and it did Stinking Cloud, but it also released the Tumor Troll that was trapped in the wand from the last time when they fired it and it did the equivalent of making something disappear and it made the tumor troll disappear and so suddenly the octopus like gets pulled back into the thing and is ripped to pieces and octopus parts come flying out and they're like what the hell and then the tumor troll comes out and they had to fight the tumor troll like oh man our situation just got worse and so you know they, they fired that off but the idea like i'm adding more chaotic stuff to the wand of wonder than even the wand of wonder has and it's funny because one of the players knows like all the things the wand of wonder can do and he's like "Ooh, i didn't know it could do that you know so that was that was a nice fun a nice fun battle. And they're getting right to the point where they're 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 you know certainly in this session I think they're going to reach the end of the clacking caverns and then probably make their journey down into the make their journey down to level 4 finally. After they take the crown there's going to be big conversations about the crown. So let us get our notes together today. Today I think is going to be a pretty easy and straightforward straightforward day. So we have our Scarlet Citadel. We can drag some of these old session notes over to our old session notes thing. As always, I'm using Notion to do my campaign planning. I probably want that one around. I'm using Notion to do my campaign planning. If you want to learn more about how to use Notion for your campaign planning, you can do so by checking down in the show notes below about Notion. So we are going to generate a new session planning template. One click. Go to session planning notes. 26. Sunday Scarlet. And I think I have all the characters today. One of the tricks, I, I, we could try it today. We'll see what kind of time we have because I don't know that I need it too much. I already know, I already feel pretty good about running this, this, this part of the adventure. But one thing that happened to me on Wednesday, I was running my Empire of the Ghouls campaign and that one's a little bit more fuzzy as far as like what the characters are going to do any given time. I didn't know what directions they were going to take. And I was feeling nervous about the game. And I said, what I, you know, one thing that would be, I, you know, why don't I follow my own advice? And my own advice was like, whenever you're feeling nervous about it, think about the characters and think about what you can do for them. And I just said, like, I'm going to have one thing, one line, one situation, one kind of idea that connects the character to the game. And it could be something like the characters all think that, you know, I mean, I'm trying to figure one out for this one. But like in that case, it was like one of the characters is from is one of the daughters of Paranelia. And so it was like, well, the the 
the guardians of Huldramos recognize the daughters of Paranelia as being really powerful warriors and will respect her. So when they shows up, even when they see her and recognize that she's a daughter of Paranelia, they will already be on her side. And I'm like, that was just a way to kind of hook into the fact that she is a daughter of Paranelia and, and, and draw that in. You know, there was, there was a whole bunch of them where I said like, you know, it could be like an item that they're carrying something they learned. It was one, yeah, one of them had a, a rifle that has a magic gem in it. And I was like, that gem is going to be called like the eye of something. And I came up with it and I said like one of the dwarves that saw him said, oh, you have one of the eyes of such and such. He's like, really? Like, yeah, that's what that magic gem is. Just something to bring the character and, and tie into something the character has, either part of their background, an item that they've got, some part of their own story. What's a, a, a little hook that I can hook into and tug on for the next game? It, it's never a bad way to go. And you can even just make a list and you'd be like character hooks, right? And you just stick your little character hooks in there. And a good time to do it is when you're reviewing the character. So you can think about like what, it, you know, for, so Bart played by Jay is a gear forged bard and diplomat. And what is a, what is a thing that Bart can do? And I think that like an example is one of the main, one of the main people that they're going to talk to today is a clacker beetle King who has the crown, the crown of Loki and is super intelligent. And I think a, a bard diplomat would have a good opportunity to talk to this, this intelligent being. I don't think they're going to necessarily fight it. Which is cool because they've been fighting stuff and they're going to have plenty of stuff to fight. So the idea that they might they might fight it and I will be prepared if they do, but they don't have to. And I think that I think that that will be good. But I think that that will be a good opportunity for Bart the Bard to be able to talk to to be able to talk to a, a smart NPC. Doran Greycastle, played by Joe, is a shade fighter slash sorcerer, former adventurer from a different world who is now possessing the body of Potter. One of the great fun things about this is that Mez Rumseleth is looking to return Potter's body, you know, to, to, to transfer Potter's body and therefore like his soul and everything into the right, into its rightful place. But Potter's body is being possessed by this other spirit. So Mez is continually like following Dorn around to try to make sure he doesn't wreck the body and the body is just getting more and more wrecked. And he, and, and Mez is constantly trying to like paste it up with spackle and, and they, he has like a big flowing hair of a troll, dead trollkin that he put on like as a big wig, just hysterical, this, this walking wax museum. So that's, that's great. Is there a hook? So I think the hook for Dorn, and you can put these in your secrets and clues, right? Is that Dorn can feel the tug of the river sticks here in you know the further down he goes into the citadel into the dungeon but it isn't right it's not drawing spirits into the underworld as it should the twisting of the ley line due to the captivity of the weird weaver had twisted the tributaries of the river stick that is a big ass secret Dorn can feel that. Both Dorn and Mez, I think, can feel that. Garble, played by Pat, is a mushroom folk rogue far traveler. He, he they, they are looking for a place to bring their brethren, a, a, a nice place to find where the mushroom folk can can reside. And I think for the, the the secret that we will tie in to Garble is that Garble can recognize that as long as the ley lines are being twisted in a knot, this isn't a suitable place to raise a mushroom civilization but if it's restored if they're restored this is an awesome place and those two those two portals to other worlds 
wet wet worlds, right? Wetlands. Make those two chambers particularly nice for mushroom folk. Mez Rumsleth, played by Sharon, a frost elf fighter parfumier. Parfumier. And Mez, Mez's primary goal is to return Potter, return Potter's body and spirit to the proper afterlife. And I think Mez can feel a force moving around in the lower levels that's tearing open the rifts to the dustlands and twisting the nature, twisting the river sticks into a knot until this is dealt with. Potter's body cannot be laid to rest. That's a good one. Malarkey, Sister Malarkey Jones, played by Jerry, a tiefling warlock cleric, has the Rod of the Pact Keeper, just got the Rod of the Pact Keeper, and I think Malarkey can feel the remaining icosahedrons. Malarkey can feel the, the remaining icosahedrons and what? And the forces they're placing on the ley lines. And the rod helps. And finally, I have Skrink Skibbers, played by Juliet, Ratfolk Wizard Occultist. And the Weird Weaver talks to Skrink. You've done well, but the, f the further, the more free I am, the more I am freed, the more force, the more forces are placed on the remaining icosahedrons. Time grows thin. So those are like six little secrets and clues that are tied kind of directly to the characters, right? So one fun thing that we did, this was my strong star for last time, and that worked really well, which is I wanted to try the Cobalt Press luck mechanic that they have in the new that they have in the new playtest, the new Black Flag playtest. And because I have this deep connection to the Weird Weaver, which is sort of this luck-based you know, an entity that is based on luck. I said, oh, they could find, and I think they, they found an icosahedron inside something, a tiny one. And this one, when they, when they accepted it, gave everybody, it replaced the inspiration mechanic with the luck mechanic. And we've now seen it in play. And I've only seen it in one session, and I, I, I still want to kind of see it more often. But as a DM side, I like it because I don't have to do very much. Like I can give them luck points whenever I feel like it, and I can offer luck points. And luck points are easier to offer when characters can have more of them. So that that actually works pretty well. The, the anti-hoarding mechanic of rolling a D4, that fits the whole chaos of the luck system. So I like that. And, and they've been using them a lot. And it's like whenever you miss, you get a luck point. So they like that. And then they've been using them. They can use three of them to re-roll. They can add, you know, add a couple if they want to. So I like it so far. I haven't, I, I haven't asked the players. I'll probably ask them at the beginning of the game today how they like it so far, and we'll see. But it's definitely heavier than Inspiration is. Like, you, you are dealing with it a lot more than you're dealing with Inspiration. It's happening a lot because it's five points per character, lots of characters, lots of times when they're missing and stuff. Now, it's good because the characters can track it. It gives them a little something more to do. So it's not a big burden. And I haven't seen it slow the game down, really. I haven't so far seen, like, you know, I haven't seen it slow the game down any more than, like, anything slows down the game. So I, I, it, but it's interesting. It's been, it's, been fun. it's been fun to do. So I think our strong start today is that the crown of Loki whispers to the characters. It wants to be found. Find me. Acquire me. Take me from this hideous, from my hideous fate. I think the fun bit is that 
the a clacker beetle, a, like a clacker beetle king, took the crown, heard its whispering, placed on its head, and suddenly became like an intelligence nineteen clacker beetle. And neither the crown of Loki or the clacker beetle like the other, but they've they've now they're sort of connected together. And the the clacker beetle is like you know I hate my conscious state. You know, the consciousness is a curse and the Loki, the crown of Loki is like, this thing is so boring. And but they have this sort of like anti-symbiotic relationship that means they can't get rid of one another. And then, you know, it's like, I, you know, I, I don't know what I will become if I lose this crown. What will happen to me if I if I lose this, you know? So I think I think that that, you know, that's kind of a fun thing. But the crown is like, come on and get me, get me out of here. Right. Take me. So scene-wise, likely today, we're going to have the crown whispers. And I don't know who it will whisper to. We'll probably randomly determine that. Who does the crown... I can't spell whisper. The crown whispers the tomb of Loki. And at the tomb, they will discover the artifacts of Thor, which include a that lightning-throwing hammer. We'll pull that from the last week. And the bracers. So that's cool. And then meeting the, the clacker beetle king... Who had a name? I'll have to go back and look at the name. I got some names. I got a, some NPC cards I got to make because I got the clacker beetle and I've got the head, the now the skull head, the smart talking skull head. And, and then probably a return to Brynjar with the crown. Do they give it to him? Do they keep it? I don't know. I don't know what they might do with it. I don't, I don't, they might not, they might not give it to him. They might keep it themselves, in which case they have another tag along NPC and another cursed magic item, which is fun. And then probably travel down to level four. And I think that's probably that's probably pretty good for the scenes today. I mean, I, and they might do some of the level four scenes, so we'll have to we'll have to find out. I do want to look at last week's game and take a look at any secrets that I haven't used, but also I can I can steal a lot from from here. There's the Clacker Beetle King. Yeah. So we got these NPCs. We're gonna take these and we're gonna drop them right into my current notes. I thought, did I write down the name? Yeah, Theos Nightcaster is a new NPC. So we're going to go and we're going to make a new NPC. Warlock White Skull seeks their return to the river. Thoas. So Thoas is the name of it. So we'll put Thoas. And then Oliver Starsong is the Clacker Beetle King. Sentience is a curse is their thing. Loki is overloading Oliver with knowledge that the Clacker Beetle doesn't want. So that that is pretty good. I don't really need to do fantastic locations because the adventure itself has fantastic locations. So we're going to just dump that section because I don't really need that. Are there, oh, we're going to look through secrets and clues and say, are there other, what happened? Any other secrets and clues? Secrets and clues. We'd reverse on God or Primordial or anything like it. It's shape and form or not humanoid. I like this. Fourth icosahedron. These are kind of handy, even though I think the characters have kind of learned these. Ah, a lot of these are good. You know what we're gonna do? I know it's gonna it's gonna overload me, but I'm gonna grab all these and we're gonna put them all in, and then I'll go through and, and delete the ones I don't think I need. Cranobrinyar, oh whoops. Cranobrinyar wants to once is possessed with a sliver of Loki the Trickster God of the North. They did not learn that, but they will. Brynjar comes from the Trollheim of the North. The blood traces back to the the Jotun during the foundation of the world. They did not learn that, but I think that the scale rend Drake hunters who particularly don't like the followers of Dragonkind. That's fun. Tricky dwarves secretly serving Loki stole Thor's hammer and gauntlets and moved them to the tomb of the Loki priest. They did learn that. And we don't we probably don't need that. Thor's hammer is part of a set that includes Thor's gauntlets, yarn ripper. Yarn Gripper. 
Clacker Beetle that stole Loki's crown is still wearing it. It commands the other Clacker Beetles and can cast some spells. Doesn't speak common. And the sliver of Loki doesn't care for the beetle very much. I don't think I need that because I'm, I'm changing that already. The factions of Darrow war with one another in the lower levels. Yes, I want to keep that. Some of the creatures tied to the third Echosahedron are as old as the Citadel itself. They did learn that. Don't need that. And more to the debase travels among the levels of Scarlet Citadel serving Gellert the Gruesome and Gruesome's needs and liaisoning. I don't know how to spell liaisoning. Liaising with the inhabitants of these other levels. Yes. Gellert the Gruesome used the power of the third Echosedron to summon all sorts of horrible entities from other worlds which now roam the lower levels. That is known, but I'm keeping it around because it, that is a big one and it does not hurt to reinforce that. Tributary of the Black River traveling through the eastern part is currently chaotic and unpredictable. They learned this from the skull from Th Thoas. But I'm going to keep that around too. The third Echocedron resides in a chamber in the fifth level of Scarlet Citadel of the Black River. The creatures powering the third Echocedron are spread about four and five. The fourth Echocedron, they did learn that these must be destroyed to release the third Echocedron. The fourth Echocedron resides in the lowest depths of Scarlet Citadel. Gautha Gruesome himself draws energy from this most powerful one and most destructive Echocedron of the Weird Weaver. So lots of secrets. But I think that lots of secrets, but I think that those are all probably worth having on hand today. And then some monsters we'll get to in a second. And treasure, I can also, I think I grabbed a lot. So we, they found all this stuff. They, they actually pulled the canister out and opened it up and found all this giant piles of gold. So that's great. But they did not find this other stuff. So I think, I think this is going to be the main treasure for today. They found the Rod of the Pack Keepers. But it can't hurt to throw in a handful of single-use treasure. So we're going to go to Random Generator. And we are going to go to what? Item Midgard. We'll do deep magic stuff. Ethereal Aberrant Gemstone of Kespatan, the Dragon Lord of Stone that casts Dark Dementing. Let's see what Dark Dementing does. Dark Dementing, a shadow, a dark shadow creeps across the target's mind, leaves a small bit of shadow essence behind, triggering a profound fear. The, a creature you designate within range must make a charisma saving throw. If it fails, it becomes frightened of you for the duration, which is 10 minutes. Frightened creature can repeat the saving throw each time it takes damage, ending effect on a successful fright. In this way, the creature will not willingly enter or attack into a space that isn't brightly lit. If it's in dim light or darkness, the creature must either move forward towards bright light or create its own. So that's powerful. That's a, that's a, you know, I don't know. That's kind of, is that game breaking? I mean, I think that from here on out, the villains that they face are going to be legendary villains. So I think that doing this on a non-legendary creature is probably okay. So I think we'll, we'll keep, that, that one's an interesting one. Haunted elven figurine of Ceres, the goddess of harvest and civilization that casts ancient shade. I think this is like a summoning spell. Oh, five questions to an ancient shade. This is pretty good. Uh, if it died in the past year, four questions. If it died in 10 years, three, 100 years, two, within a thousand years. It's kind of like fancy speak with dead. Why is this better? I don't know why. I don't know why this is better, but I kind of like it. We'll throw it in there. Maybe somebody can explain to me why that, why ancient shade is better than speak with dead. Bladed clockwork monocle of attend the southern god, the southern sun god that casts nightfall. Call upon the night to arrive ahead of schedule. The sharper you create a 30-foot radius cylinder of night. The cylinder extends vertically. The area inside the cylinder is normal darkness and thus heavily obscured. Creatures inside the darkness cylinder can see illuminated areas outside the cylinder normally. That's weird. It's kind of fun. It's weird. Bladed clockwork monocle of Aten, the southern god. I like that. So those are three single-use magic items. So those are those are good. So I think we're I think we're set there creatures so i just changed the monster database again so now this doesn't work anymore 
table view, Mike's monsters database. And we are adding a filter and we want a filter of view. And we don't have a view, so we're gonna we're gonna add a view. SC holding pattern. And we will view SC holding pattern. I don't really need an encounter builder because I'm using Owlbear. So I'm not gonna bother setting up an encounter builder for this. But I am going to, and then I don't need the holding pattern for the awakened shrub anymore. Let me save that for everyone. So what monsters, uh, let's see, the encounter benchmark, we have six characters. They are sixth level, I think. I, 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 I know that they are under, they, they should have leveled more. They are freaking fifth level. So that is a deadly encounter benchmark then is 15, right? Six characters. We figure that, how do you figure out the deadly encounter benchmark? Half of the character, they're fifth level, so it's half. So you add all the character levels together and that's 30 and divide that by two and that's 15. And what that tells you is up to 15 CRs worth of monsters is kind of the threshold where you're really getting into deadly territory. I don't know that we're gonna hit that anytime today. I don't really need the combat tracker because I only need the holding pattern. What I am gonna do though is I'm gonna copy this. Can you do that? Copy. I'm thinking copy the whole thing because I need to add that to my template as well. We'll do that in a minute. So what do we have? We know, let's go to the database itself. You know what I need is Mike's monster database. I actually don't need the, there, I can go straight to the database. So we go to our database and we are going to say clacker, clacker beetle. And I know that the clacker beetle, clacker beetle soldiers and clacker beetle forms. So I'm going to duplicate those. I really don't even need to duplicate them. I'm going to take that back. And that's because I can really, I'm not going to modify them. So I'm going to put them in the SC holding pattern. And what was the creature? Oh, Leng. Leng. Whoops. The spider of Leng. That is going to go in the holding pattern. This is my big monster database that has all of the monsters from all four Cobalt Press books and the Monsters Menagerie and, a, and the 5ESRD. And it is, you can find a link to it in the encounter in my Notion template. So if you want your own big ass database of monsters, it's down in the show notes below. I'm not going to talk too much about it today, but it's there. The, the cool thing though, is when I go to my notes and I go down to the monsters, it, all the ones that I put in the holding pattern are there. We're actually going to change this view. This is going to be, instead of a layout table view, we're going to do a list, remove the filter. And then we've got a nice list of monsters. Are there any other, what other monsters do I think I need to add in here? If they decide to go back up, they might face that necrophage reaver. I think that was the one, right? Yeah, that's a great big thing. Yeah, that's the one. So we'll stick that guy in the holding pattern. Whoops, wrong, wrong holding pattern. That guy's up top. We have all the trollkin, but I don't think they're gonna fight the trollkin. If they do, I can go whip them up, but I'm not too worried about it. Now, now so, and, and yeah, so the spider of Lang and these other ones they might face. They've covered everything else in the clacker area so we don't have to worry about that what about well while i'm thinking about it we're gonna go fix the template so i go into scarlet Citadel. here's a little tutorial on how to fix your template customize your own template so when you generate new session planning notes it has already in and we're gonna do that you click a little gear configure template you go down here it says template is the session notes template open up that and it looks like the session planning notes only this session planning notes is specific to specific to the template itself. So every time you generate it, it's gonna generate from this. And I'm gonna change this. It is no longer, cause that database is dead. It's now gonna go here. And filter wise, we are gonna filter by view. And we're gonna do this, the holding pattern. 
and save. And now it's got, oh, we can remove the title from it. We don't need the, let's see, layout. Don't need the title we know what it is. And I think that's, we can rename it. That's fine. And we can delete the combat tracker because that's not there, but we can replace the combat tracker with uh, Mike's monster database. So that way we have the link rate to the database itself where you can go and look up monsters and we have the, the holding pattern set up. So now when we generate a new, is there anything else we're tailoring here on this template? That's all looks pretty good. So now whenever you generate a new template, that's already built in. So, so we're all set. Is there anything else I need to harvest from last, the last notes? I'm enjoying the luck mechanic, I'll tell you. I like, I like things like that. That all looks good. So let's look at, so we've got that, but now let's take a look at what's going on a level below. We need to do some over the horizon. We need an over the horizon look. So let's look at the adventure, cause it's wordy. So what ways might they go down? There's, there's a couple different ways they can go down. If we look at our map, I haven't been paying attention to the map. They can go down here. This goes down a level right there. And if they go back to the Trollkin area, uh, this pit right here, I think goes down as well. The Oubliette also can go down. So I think those all go down to the Bat Caves. So let's pop open the map for the caves. That's area four. I have two of those and that's the one with the overlays. That's why the overlays are kind of a hassle when you're doing digitally. The overlays are really cool physical and they're not so cool in digital. So this is the, and it's all, it's all, let's see, because I think I have the fog going. Yeah. Unfortunately it dims, it dims it all. So it's a little harder to see. It's a beautiful map. Oops. I didn't mean to do that. I can remove the frog there. I'll add the fill. I'll add the fill when we go there. So let's go to bat caves. Now, one of the things about the bat caves is they, they talk about that there's sort of two approaches. One approach is you fight your way through everything. And the other approach is uh, negotiating between the different factions that exist in this, in this area. I, of course, am going to go for the latter. I think there'll be plenty of opportunity to fight. And this is a good level where the model that you can use is your fistful of dollars slash uh, Yojimbo Sanjiro kind of storyline, which is essentially two different groups are battling with each other. They're sort of stuck in a stalemate and the characters can come in and get involved and choose to either support one group or support another group or fight or, or turn both groups against each other. They can change their minds. It's a really, really good, you know, it's funny that like Akira, Akira Kurosawa, the director of Seven Samurai, has two fantastic adventure seeds for D&D. A hundred years or so. I forget how how long he's been doing movies. Eighty years, I think. Sixty years. When did when did Seven Samurai come out? Let's find out for fun. It came out in 1954, which is seven oh, seventy years ago. So seventy years ago, he came up with Seven Samurai, and he did San Yojimbo in '61, right? Sixty-two years ago. So in the 60s, he did, he did Seven Samurai and Yojimbo. And, and both of those have stories that make fantastic D&D adventures because they're, they're, they're character-driven and situation-driven, not plot-driven. And that works really well for D&D adventures. And so the example here is we don't know which group they're going to support, and we don't know how they're going to work one group against the other. But we know what the situation is, and we know that the characters are going to go get involved. And that, that, that's, the real, that's the real fun. Yeah, InfoBro says, Scorsese said that most directors have one masterpiece in them and Kurosawa had eight. Yeah, he did Ron as well. I don't think Ron is, 
Ron is a beautiful movie, but I don't know that Ron works really well as a D&D adventure. But those two do. Yojimbo, Sanjuro, and, and Seven Samurai. Amazing, amazing movies for, for D&D storylines. Two different ways to run the adventure. Your decision will choose based on the temperament of your players and the estimation of what they want. This is what I mean about like it's trying to, it's clearly trying to like talk to you as a DM to help you run. And that would be great. It's almost better if that was like in a different section. And then when you got into the adventure, that was where things were summarized. My problem with this adventure isn't that it's trying to really work with a DM and, and show them a different style to play their games. It's that as a reference, it's really terrible. As a, as like a narrative, it's probably very good. You know, it's it's got lots of different ideas in here. Oh yeah, Rashomon, of course. Rashomon is a fantastic movie. That's the the unreliable narrator narrator style. So there's there's factions. So you have the cult of Kamazots, which is great. Uh, Darrow have an affinity for bats. Only the most extreme end up working worshiping Kamazots, the demon lord of bats and fire. A Darrow speaker to the darkness named Gilsfear leads this band of outcasts along the Black River until they found this cavern and its population of vampire bats, saber-toothed bats, bat swarms, and fire-eater swarms. Recognized as a sign of Kamazots when he saw Gilsfear declared the spot their new home. The Darrow built a small village, constructed a temple, and set about establishing dominance over the bats and raiding the surface for, for slaves. After the Citadel, we're going to say for raiding the surface for food. After the Citadel dwarves were wiped out, and the barracks above was left empty. The Darrow mined up the stables so they could use the owlbear tunnel as a shortcut to the surface. They, On their raids, they captured a red dragonborn. When the captive demonstrated it could breathe fire, they saw an opportunity. Fed the dragonborn a diet of ego-suppressing lichen extract. Renamed him Drakazans. So that's kind of cool. A captive dragonborn who's sort of got like Stockholm Syndrome. That's cool. After the Darrow a rift developed between two contentious leaders. One side was Gilsvir and his fanatical worship of the Kamazots and the giant bats. The other, uh, the Kurgam, Kurgaram, a Darrow witch queen, and her loyals who have grown tired of chanting endlessly to bats through a haze of superfluous smoke and prefer traditional Darrow pursuits such as raiding the surface, tormenting captives, and brewing dangerous fungal extracts. So she's like the mushroom, the bad mushroom queen. What's that old Who song? The Acid Queen? I think she's the Acid Queen. And then Immortal the Debased is here. Keeps the tension between Gilsvir and Kurgaram from erupting into a bloody battle for dominance. Immortal commands more power than either group of Darrow. So we're going to have some NPCs. Let's let's create some new NPCs just so I have them handy. Gilsvir, Darrow, worshiper of, of Kamazots. A speaker. He's the speaker of Kamazots. And did I spell Kamazots right? I'm almost sure I did not. There we go. And then we have Kurgaram. Darrow, Acid Queen. And her lips are going tired. We will just paste a little bit of text in there. Stick that in Gilsevere's. That's good. The Dragonborn. Let's see. That is Gilsevere. Cool. Grab that text. Just so I have it handy. There. So we got some NPCs. Cool. Those also kind of lead to some secrets. So, up for this approach, the level consists of three distinct battle zones with little, over, with little overlap. Battle cultists, uh, so you can fight all three. And I'm going to be less about, like, option one versus option two. It's like the characters will take whatever, whatever they want to do. This is interesting. Every Darrow has provided a potion of augmented reality that is downed at the first sign of trouble. And Morda casts mage armor on herself before and plans to cast banish on whomever she perceives the most powerful spellcast in the group as an initial volley. Delicate balance. If you opt for this approach, the number of foes is significantly higher than it would be under option one since the characters don't need to fight them in quick succession. Of the three political divisions of this, only Immortal the Debase is interested in stopping intruders from reaching the next level of Gellert groups and resides. They prof Darrow profess their loyalty to Immorta, 
but their but their pledges mean nothing. They're barely sane at the best of times. And between the pharaohs' worship of chemizots and dangerous fungal extracts they imbibe, these times are less than ideal. Both groups of Dara are vile and depraved. They have no sense of right and wrong. The strong do what they want. Blah 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 blah. They don't fall in love. They don't care for the signal. This is the sort of I'm going to talk about this on my in the other show. I think we have a Patreon question about it. I never like the idea that like all Darrow are like this. Like, why not have some Darrow that aren't right? Have, have the idea like, sure, if they're all because of the acid and because of the worship of Kamazots, they're all dicks. But not every Darrow doesn't care for the elderly, right? Or fall in love. You know, I mean, if they're if they're conscious creatures, if they're sentient creatures, some of them are going to be like, you know, we have another way. So I think there might be like a small group of like three that are broken away from that idea. Right. And so I think we'll I think we'll do that. Yeah. Tina Turner played the Acid Queen and Tommy. That's exactly what I was thinking about. The Tina Turner cover of the Acid Queen from Tommy. Useful parallel here is zombie apocalypse. Unlike under the fray, total enemy force here now is overwhelming, even for six level characters. They fear they fear Immorta, and they fear of the, of her unseen overlord. You can't railroad the characters into this line of action. Give them clues and opportunities, but the players decide what their characters do if they form a plan that's guaranteed to fail or get them killed or captured. Do it. Do it. Many of the areas of this level exist in both Midgard and a parallel alternate dimension at the same time. A character with true sight or under the effects of true seeing magic sees both realities at the same time and can interact with both. This ability is vital to mitigating some of the dangers found here. The Darrow brew potions of augmented reality that allow them to see this alternate dimension. They also poison some of their weapons with a derivative of that poison. And on and one of its side effects is to bestow momentary true sight on poisoned creatures. Characters can learn about this in three ways by being struck by the poison weapons and having vision of an altered reality around them. By searching the Darrow village and discovering what they think are potions of true seeing or by being given potions by, by Kurgoram. However, they learn about the potions is your job to subtly encourage someone to drink one and discover the additional secrets around them. If the characters get their first glimpse of the parallel reality by being poisoned, don't explain what's happening in clear terms. At first, they should have legitimate concerns over whether or not their senses are expanded. So we have a large roosting chamber that comes down from 317. This is this is 401. And which room is 317, of course? I think 317 is probably the Darrow or probably the Albert chamber. It's not 331. I think 331 is another way down. Yeah, 317 is the is the way from the other chamber. So that makes sense. So that gives us a good idea of what's going down here anyway. One thing I'd like to find out, because I want to read the other the other way down. So hole in the floor leads to 406. Okay, so 401 and 406 are the two ways down. So 401 goes here. 406 is in the water. Okay, so then these chambers, one, two, three four, five, six, and seven are kind of the ones that they're going to hit. Small roosting chamber. So there's swarms of bats, even if they attack all at once. We're going to add the swarms of bats. Swarms of bats. We're using the menagerie swarms. We'll move this one up to the top since I'm working on that. Got my swarm of bats. And then we have saber-toothed bats, giant vampire bats. I thought there were saber-toothed bats. But I don't see that. Maybe it's the giant vampire bats. The only ones I'm thinking about. Werebat might be fun. Let's put that in there. Ghoul bats. A shriek bat. CR9. Take a look at that guy. 178 hit points. The shriek bat could be like a... Shriek bat emits a powerful blast. This could be like a avatar of Kamazots. For fun. Really powerful and tough. 178 hit points. Two attacks. Bite and a talon. I kind of like that. We'll, we'll put that, that. That's in the holding pattern. So we're all set there. 
Small roosting chamber. So yeah, saber-toothed bats. Oh, so the saber-toothed bats are not in the... They're not in one of the Cobalt Press books. They are specific to this. You want to see some fun? You want to see some magic? Let's go to the saber-toothed bats. We're going to find them. We're going to do a little magic, and then we're going to we're gonna end the show. It's time to, time to do things. Saber-toothed bat. So we're going to go into... Keep that handy. And we're going to go into the monster database. Click new. Is it called saber-toothed bat? It's hyphened. Saber-toothed bat. We are going to grab this doot and paste it in here. Doot. All messy. Look at all that messy text. So unclean. And then, you know, it's got actions in a lot of columns, so we grab that. Ready for the magic? We'll open that up. And I go, oh, look at that ugly ass stat block. And I go, spacebar. Format the above text as a DD 5e stat block. Bang. Look at it go. What magic is this? What sorcery has Mike used to take messy copy and pasted text right out of a PDF and formatted a beautiful stat block with bolding and tables and all of that? And that is the magic of ChatGPT. I can now delete this crappy version and I have a nicely formatted stat block in text. Do you do you believe that? Did you see that everybody? You're going to have to you're going to have to go back and look at that again. Notion has ChatGPT built directly into it. And you can you can do things like that. Like just say, "Hey, that above text, clean it up as a as a D&D 5e stat block." And it does it. It does it beautifully. Notion has ChatGPT built in. For free, you can do some number of prompts. Is it 10 prompts a month? to do it so if you want to clean 10 stat blocks that way and you only do 10 in a month you can do that but if you're like me and use it a lot you can pay more and i am paying more to have chat gpt use as often as you want inside notion it's using chat gpt 3 i think it's not using 4 yet i don't know when it'll it'll upgrade as it goes but it's behind whatever the current version of chat gpt is but it has some amazing features but that one the formatting of the stat blocks is the one that i think is most magical it's very good at being able to grab crap from a pdf throw it into here and they say format that nicely and it formats it nicely. I really like that. Friends, I want to thank you all for hanging out with me today while I prepared for my Scarlet Citadel game. If you enjoyed this show and you, if you, if you enjoyed this show, you will want to subscribe to the Sly Flourish newsletter. You can get a weekly RPG related email sent directly to your inbox along with a free adventure generator PDF. You can also join the Sly Flourish Patreon. There is a link down in the show notes below to join the Patreon. You can join at either the hero tier or the veteran tier and get access to a dedicated Discord channel, get access to the monthly Q&A, a whole bunch of exclusive material. Tons of material that you get for joining the Sly Flourish Patreon. Or, or you can pick up any of my books at the Sly Flourish Bookstore. All of those, all the links to all of those are down in the show notes below. Thank you all very much. Have a great day and get out there and play an RPG.